All right. What's up, guys? Uh, episode five of the Four Lifters by Lifters podcast. And we have uh, my good friend, IFBB Pro, uh, Jason Orlana. And uh, what's up, Jay? How you doing? You got the last name right. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of uh, nobody gets that right. Um, so I think it'd be a good idea to kind of start off talking about your competitive <clears throat> career. Um, you know, we talk about you quite a bit at the shop, A, because obviously you're local, uh, you own the gym that we started in, but I feel like you do things, not that there's a right or wrong way, but I kind of feel like you do things the right way. Like right. you're, you're always healthy. Um, you know, you train hard, you're super consistent with your diet. So how did you, uh, like, how did you start building that regimen? Um, you know, I mean, I, I think it kind of started at an early age, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, I was always involved in sports just actively. So didn't really get into weightlifting until I was about 19. Um, and then, uh, you know, just kind of took a passion to, to strength training. Um, and it was always in the back of my head wanting to compete, but you know, in my eyes it was, you know, you got to put the time, you got to put the effort into actually achieving a certain physique before deciding to compete. Yeah. So, you know, it started off as a thought and then, you know, it's like, oh, next year I'll compete. Next year I'll compete. And, you know, before I know it's, it's 10 years later, I hadn't competed yet. <laughs> so, um, you know, I finally just set a date in my mind, uh, picked a show, uh, and I was 20, 29, 30, uh, right before my 30th birthday, I did my first show it was the uh, Lehigh Valley. So I was back in 2013, I believe. Did you do that on your own? Like, did you have so, a coach? Actually, I had a, a good friend of mine. Um, you know, we're good friends now. Um, at the time, he was referred over to me by somebody. Actually, Jeff. Jeff Long. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so he was uh, a competitor in the MPC. So, you know, obviously, you know, I, I'd done personal training and worked with nutrition with people. But, you know, when you're taking normal, everyday, daily nutrition and taking it to a competitive level, it's little bit night and day difference so you're talking about the difference between 10 percent body fat and five percent right yeah right so um you know he worked with me through my first show um uh, you know I, I came up with my own meal plan he was kind of like my second set of eyes and you know i'd send over progress pics and just kind of get his feedback on what he felt like maybe i should tweak whether it be you know the cardio or you know diet wise um so for the first show like he was he was a huge help you yeah. know and then, um, you know, after that, you know, you just absorb knowledge, you know. So every show after that, I mean, he's still kind of my second set of eyes, even up until this point, um, you know. But it, it's kind of, I've, I wouldn't say you, you figured your body out, you know, because you always learn something new about your body. You know, every show I've done, there's always been something different, you yeah. know, that I've done different. So, um, but it's always good to have somebody there to, you know, have, have an opinion and give you some good, solid feedback, honest feedback. Because, uh, uh, you know, it, it's one thing when you're prepping somebody else, it's easy to, to make critiques and, and adjustments. But when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're second-guessing yourself, yeah. you know, it's always good to have somebody there. Yeah, you so. think you look a lot better than you do or you think you look a lot worse than you than do. Than you do. And you start beating yourself up and M most making of, changes. Most of the time, it's it, I think I'm worse than I am. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's just a personality disorder. Right. <laughs> well, you know what it is? It's, you know, you don't want to jump on stage. You know, in my opinion, I don't ever want to jump on stage and um, not feel like I've put 110% into my prep um, and present my physique the best I can, you know. So, so you, your first show was at 29, and how old were you when you turned pro? Uh, so it was 
two years ago, so 30, 35. Okay, so about six years six of years. competing. Yeah, so I did I did one show a year. Um, other than 2017, I competed twice. Uh, I competed in the USA's in Las Vegas and then uh, the Nationals that year. I think I met you five years ago now. No, maybe six years. So ago. you met me. So you were coming in. It was my third show. Store. Yeah, it was my third and you were show. Buying us at one hundred from us. Yeah, I was prepping for. So after 15? my first show, I did. Yeah, it was two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Because yeah. I did the nationals the following year, and then I came back, had to get requalified for the nationals, and that was the show that I came into the store for the yeah, first time. I think every year after you competed, you quit. Like you're like, ah, yeah, every year, know, yeah, it was kind of turned into, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I'm good. Maybe I'll just, <laughs> yeah. And then I feel like your last show that you turned pro, like every time I saw you at the gym, you were just kind of very like nonchalant about the entire prep. Yeah. Like you just kind of coasted through and whatever happens, happens. happens and right. so you took all the stress off of yourself. Right. And that's when your body looked the best, obviously. Yeah. And you turned pro, you got yeah. your pro card. Um, you know, and that's even, even right now, I mean, this year's obviously been up and down. Yeah. <clears throat> I started prepping back in February for uh, the Pittsburgh Pro and the New York Pro. Uh, yeah, the New York Pro got canceled, uh, and so did the uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, I think New York Pro got pushed to September 5th. Yeah. So I was about eight weeks out from Pittsburgh, and it got canceled. You know, So at that point, I knew I just kind of backed off prep a little bit, started adding some food back in. Um, but I had every intention of competing this year. So I got back on prep uh three weeks ago now so i'm about uh, seven weeks out uh from the tampa pro how different are your preps now from when you first started um i think because i've managed to keep my body composition under control um they've gotten easier okay you know uh i mean right now i'm pushing probably more food than i ever have in any prep you know um where my very first show i dropped 40 pounds to get on stage you know, so it was in 12 weeks. Well, your last prep that you uh, that you turned pro, I think you told me your carbs were at the all, like the highest they were right. leading into a show leading ever. Into the show. And you were yeah. at what, like 150 to 200 grams, I think. Um, yeah, let's see here, that show. Um, yeah, I think actually, you know what? About three weeks out from that show, I was actually adding in a couple higher carb days. So I was pushing somewhere around 275, 300 a day. Yeah. On my higher days, on my lower days, yeah, it was it was teetering around like that 125 to 100 range what, um, what determines whether you're doing a high or a low carb day typically on what i'm training that day okay. you know um I, you know i base it off you know the amount of activity i'm doing so if, if it's a leg day obviously you know, typically you're exerting more on a leg day than you would if you're training arms i'd hope so <laughs> for some people yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it, it really depends on the body part I'm training that day. Okay, you so know? if you're sedentary, or, do you have off days in prep? I do, do have off days. Day? Uh, Sundays are off. Uh, Wednesdays are off. I still do cardio on them days. Okay. I just don't strength train on them days. Okay. You know, um, so they're considered my low days. So the days I'm just doing cardio, I'm taking a break. That's my low carbohydrate days. Uh, moderate days are, uh, you know, uh, typically fall on my chest day and uh, shoulder day. Okay. You know, and then my higher days are back and legs. Okay. You know. Are you, uh, like when you have a high carb day versus a low carb, uh, on your low carb day, are you subbing in more fats or are you just letting your body kind of, you know, tell you what it needs? Yeah. So honestly, I don't, I don't teeter too much with my fat intake. Okay. I kind of keep a, a steady baseline 
On my lower carb days, I bump them up just subtly. But the remaining part of the week, you know, I kind of, I don't even touch my fat. Nothing really changes. Yeah, I keep it, it's somewhere, my fat intake right now is a little above, I would say, right at or a little bit above 50% of my lean body mass right now. Okay. So. Yeah. That's interesting. Because, uh, so you're essentially carb cycling, but you're also calorie cycling, right? Yeah. Because your calories are dropping, dropping on days that you're sedentary or more sedentary than training days. Right. So. What about, uh, what about like your cardio sessions? Are they, are like, uh, what about the intensity of your cardio sessions? Um, you know, for me, I've, I've been fortunate enough. My metabolism's been very good. Um, so, and, and, you know, just with running the gym, training clients, trying to get my training in and then get my cardio in, you know, I throw my cardio in when I can, Yeah. you know, um, ideally if I had a time, it would be, you know, either fast it in the morning or usually I do it late at night before I go to bed. Okay. Um, so, but, uh, most of the time it's, you know, I, I kind of do an interval, you know, nothing real high intensity, yep. you know, keep my, uh, heart rate in around that 70% range. Do you try to like push yourself on cardio though? Like, are, are no. you, you're not, no. so you're just kind of going through the motions and going through the motions, get my heart rate elevated. Um, get you know, blood back in your legs, maybe right. like after a hard leg day. Yep. Okay. So if, if I'm training legs, um, typically I, I either resort to using uh, a stepper or um, an elliptical, but on leg day, I'll, I'll walk on a treadmill okay. know, on an incline. So I'll interval the inclines uh, on it. Um, but I feel like if I get too carried away with doing cardio, I drop too much weight too quick, you yeah. know? So uh, for me, you know, and everybody's different, you know, uh, for me, that's what works for me. Okay. You know, for somebody else, you know, people that I'm prepping, obviously we're going to adjust it according to what's working best for yeah. them. Yeah, for sure. What about, um, like training setup. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of controversy now, and I think John Meadows is doing a really good job talking about, like, uh, intensity of movements over volume, right? So maybe instead of doing four sets of 10 at the same weight, mm-hmm. you know, you slowly work yourself up, and that last set is, like, a real hard, hard set. set. Right. Um, do you prefer training like that, or do you like to do more volume at the same weight? Um you know, well, yeah, I mean, I love John Meadows. You know, I, I like a lot of his videos and, and the information he puts out there. It's kind of very similar how Dorian H trained. Yeah. You know, um, but no, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, typically for me, yeah, that final set is where, you know, as you get older, you got to warm up a little more. Yeah. You know, so, you know, my first couple sets sometimes on certain exercises just kind of get into the weight where, you know, I'm warmed up, uncomfortable. And then I'm able to hit maybe that third or fourth set like really hard. Since know? we uh, since we started training here, um, Ben brought in a, a jump rope, right? And so I've been doing that prior to training. Yeah. And uh, I thought that that would actually exhaust me more because I'm I'm going until I'm sweating. Right. And then I'm I'm doing my walking lunges, all my dynamic warm ups. Uh, my squat just keeps going up. Yeah. And and I don't know if that you know you're you're countering old age with that. Right. right. So as I get older, I need to warm up more, warm up more, but yeah. I just find that my performance is so much better when my heart rate's up and I already yeah. have a sweat going and, uh, you know, everything's moving accordingly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, the muscles being, you know, warmed up like that definitely makes it easier to, to, to get in a squat position. You're not stiff. Yeah. You know, I always joke, like I remember like in my early twenties, I could just walk in the gym, hit a couple sets of leg extensions and jump right on the squat rack and not have a problem. Yeah. Now it's like, I wouldn't even think about doing that. Yeah. You know, and kind of same thing. Typically I'll take 10 or 15 minutes to warm up and then, you know, I'll go through some dynamic, dynamic stretching and then, you know, start in 
when I train legs, I train legs backwards. I hit hamstrings first, and then I go in the quads. Yeah. Actually, uh, when we had Evan Santapani down in 2015, uh, he was telling Ben and I to do that even on back day because yeah. it elongates the hamstring and allows you to get in a better position when you're doing you know your heavy barbell rows and stuff right. like that. So yeah, uh, it, it seems to be something that that works for everybody. Yeah. Um, but what about uh, so what about as far as like rep schemes go? Are you doing fives? Are you doing tens? Does it matter where you're at? In um. Rep? It's rare uh, now. I, I rarely ever train under eight reps. Under eight. Um, even for compound movements? Even for compound movements. Um, you know, most of the time, and again, it depends on how I feel that week. Um, but I, I kind of cycle my rep ranges from week to week. You know, so I'll have, you know, you know, a high week, moderate week, and low week. Low week being like a 12 to 8 rep range. Okay. You know, moderate week, that 15 to 12 maybe, and high so you'll do 15 to 12 or higher on all muscle groups? Uh, and so if I'm in that particular uh, week, yeah. So you'll do a set of 15 or 20 on like inclined dumbbells or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or um, so like on, on a high week, yeah, it, it may be on that upward range, or I may incorporate giant sets or drop sets or supersets, which obviously prolong the set and in yeah. increase the amount of reps you're doing. Are you doing that, uh, like supersets? I was going to ask you about that. Are you doing that stuff year-round, or are you really only doing it in prep? Um, I do it more in prep than I do year-round, but it's not to say I don't incorporate that in uh, throughout the year. Do you think that there's uh, – do you think that training like that helps with re reducing body fat during prep? Um, see, I, I train fairly quick at a very fast pace. So any, anybody that's trained with me. You know, uh, especially some of the guys, you know, coming to the gym, a couple yeah. of them have trained with me and, you know, I'm taking a 45 second rest period between sets. You know, I'm not, I'm not prolonging the set out. Um, cause you know, for me, it's not about, you know, how much weight I can lift anymore. You yeah. know, it's really the intensity and execution. Right. Yeah. And what I'm putting into that set, you know, so. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things I kind of wanted to dive into is, uh, just like, gym ownership uh we get so many people that that come in they're like i, I really want to open a gym and uh you know i kind of sigh at times right. uh, just because <laughs> like, I, I've, sometimes i feel like people don't understand how hard it is to to run a gym and, right. and you've done a good job you've been in business for four years four years yeah um you know you you own your gym uh you own everything in it like you're not doing any of these crazy lease uh equipment leases and all that stuff right uh i mean first off would you do it again uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, at, at this point, I don't regret anything. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, probably. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I feel like when the opportunity came up for you to have your own gym, uh, I feel like you had to, to take it just because you had to know what it was like. Right. And if you didn't take it, you'd always wonder. Always wonder. Yeah. Right. right. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's worked out pretty well yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, kind of going back on that, I mean, the funny part is, like, I've had a lot of friends over the years that have had gyms, have owned gyms, you know, obviously, you know, I've done personal training for quite some time and worked at many different gyms. Um, and the one thing I always said to myself is, like, you know, I'd probably never own a gym. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, I think it's timing. You know, the timing was right. It seemed right at the time and, you know, was able to dive into it. Yeah. What, um, do, you, what do you think is the, the toughest part about, like, operating a gym? operating um you know just keeping it fresh you know uh 
for mo- for most people, that's that's what attracts them to a gym. You know, you have your New Year's resolutioners, like they're coming in. You know, they want to see new things. You know, what, what are you doing different? So you know, it's just keeping things. You know, adding things here and there and keeping people happy. You Do you know? almost feel like it's a uh, like it's a conflict of interest though? Uh, and the reason why I say that is, uh, when you first took over the gym, I think you got rid of a bicep machine and people were like, Oh, Jim doesn't have a bicep machine. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, anybody that can't thinks that they can't train their biceps, like have them come see me and I'll show them how to curl. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it can be, you're not going to please everybody, Yeah, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah. I think at times, you, you know, it's it's funny when I buy equipment and I mean, and, and you've reached out to me a lot of times with a lot of the equipment I've gotten. Yeah. So if I'm buying it, it, I'm usually buying it for myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, I, I think, you know, when I'm purchasing something and I'm getting on it, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta feel right. You know? Um, and I think that's the problem with a lot of commercial gyms is they're just stocking these gyms full of equipment it just looks good. Yeah. It looks nice. It's all matching colors, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good for you yeah. biomechanically, you know? So, um, you know, when I'm picking something out or I'm getting on something and I want to bring it into the gym and use it, it's because I feel like it's something everybody else might like too. How much of your workouts are you using machines? Uh, actually, it's funny you say that cause I was just talking to a client about that this morning. Uh, probably, out of all the equipment in the gym, I I probably use maybe a third of it. A third? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're mainly free weight dominant? Free weight dominant. Yeah. And I've always trained like that. Um I've had to kind of resort to using a Smith machine more now. Um aches and pains, you know. Uh so I, it's I still like, consider that free weight though. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah. I know it's a machine, but it's, it, machine, it's still right. like you're you're putting plates on it. Uh it's still a barbell on right. there. It, you're just uh controlling the you know, the, the up and down, the, the track of it. Right, so. right. You know, so, I mean, a- anything I've steer clear of free weights, it's it's more or less just because injuries, aches and pains, and just kind of working around things. Are there any machines that you would say <clears throat> does the job better than a free weight? Oof. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, like, would you pick your power squat machine over... Like, if you had to pick one, would you pick your power squat over a barbell? Over a squat? Absolutely not. No? As long as I could squat. I've always said that. As long as, I, as long as I could get under a bar and squat and push weight, yeah, I'd continue doing it. That being said, if it got to the point where I was having lower back issues or anything like that, that would be my go-to machine, the power squat. But assuming you're healthy... you know, Assuming like, you're healthy, I'd squat all day long. The same thing. What about, like, uh, you have a really good lateral machine in there, don't you? Uh, side lateral, the side backs, yeah, side backs yeah. piece, yeah. Would you pick? Uh, would you still pick a dumbbell over using that? Um, it's a toss up. Like I, I go between cables and dumbbells. Okay. I do use the side backs occasionally, um, but I, I'm more for the cable and, and dumbbell movement. Are there any pieces in the gym that you just like? You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to work out if you didn't have it. Um. like 21 questions right now i'm just like yeah i'm, trying, I'm trying to think uh <laughs> so it, you're asking me if there's any piece that i wouldn't want to train on yeah no like that you wouldn't train like uh let's say on like for me personally on leg day mm-hmm. i like to have a second heavy compound movement whether it's a leg press or a hack squat or something 
uh, after I squat. After you squat. Okay. And like, like I feel like I need that. Right. Um, because even though the squats are really taxing, I don't want to spend all my time underneath the bar. Right. And that's just for my own mental and having fun with training. Right. Um, like, so is there anything that's so important to you outside of like cables and free weights and stuff right. that you just feel like you want to use it? Um, yeah, definitely. In, in regards to like legs, probably leg press, Okay. you know, uh, back, a low row, um, chest, you know, again, for the most part, most of my chest workouts are free weights. I don't really, you know, I'll do some cable flies, but outside of that, everything's dumbbells or, or barbell. Um, arms you know i don't use very many machines preacher curl preacher curl is good but that's still you like know, a free weight it's still kind of like a free weight yeah i mean to some extent um but yeah outside of that i mean nah yeah it, it's uh like you almost need the machines for a little bit of variation so you don't go crazy yeah but the, yeah. the free weights are really you know what you need to get where so you meat want meat and potatoes man yeah <laughs> That's why I always tell people. Can you, uh, like, could you off the top of your head kind of structure maybe like a leg day for us? Like how you would do, uh, do that and then implement it? And let's just assume that you're, you know, maintenance, you know, you're not in prep or anything like that. Like how would you structure it? For for somebody coming to me that, that wants a leg day? Yeah, like somebody like me, between 12 and 10% body fat, you know, 200 pounds, average experience. Like right. what would you, uh, you know, what would you tell them to do? Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of splitting legs up too. Okay. Um, so I do, I, you know, I have a, a set day where I come in and, and the bulk of the movements are compound movements, you know, uh, and then I have a secondary day come in where I'm really just kind of isolating, you know, more of my hamstrings, focusing a little bit more on maybe uh, extensions and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I just feel like the legs, such a big area, it's hard to, uh, just leave it for one day of training a week. If you're looking for development you know, developmental reasons, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, if you're training for powerlifting or something like that, you know, a it's little more different. about recovery, right. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, I would definitely, I'm a big fan of, you know, a two day split on that, you know, with legs. Um, but yeah, you know, coming in and like I said, I mean, squats are, are going to be a primary movement. Um, you know, extensions, leg curls, uh, but are you doing squats first or last? Oh, so you want sequence? Yeah. Uh, no, squats would probably be probably a, a fourth exercise in. Okay. Uh, for, for, for me personally, it's typically I'm coming in, I'm hitting adduction, adduction as a warm-up, uh, lying leg curls, seated leg curls. I'll hit some extensions as a warm-up. Then I go into squat. What's the reason for that? Um, I, honestly, I think it, it just it warms me up, you know, um, hitting my hamstrings it allows me to get the depth easier on, on my squats you know um and uh you know the light extensions obviously you know for your knees it definitely as long as you're not going too heavy you know some people get carried away doing heavy leg extensions i've never done heavy leg extensions i've always kept them strict control um but you know the first three or four sets i'm doing in the beginning of my workout they're just light warm-up sets you know they could be single leg or, or two um do you think like uh, do you think doing the the leg extensions, the hamstring curls, uh, and hitting those muscles prior to squatting allows you to activate those muscles better when yeah. you're squatting because there's already blood in there? There's blood in there, and you know it's like it's turning like the nervous system on. 
You yeah. know what I mean? I always thought it was um, kind of fascinating how you can have a powerlifter who maybe, you know, raw around our weight class, you know, the 200, 198s, whatever it might be. Uh, and that guy might squat like six, 650, something really strong, right? right? But their leg development is just so low. Right. And I think that is largely due to them probably, you know, if you're a strength, uh, if you're training for strength, you're most likely squatting, you know, first. Right. Because you want all of your energy, all the glycogen stores, you want everything to go towards that lift. Right. Um, but between the rep scheme, which is typically lower, mm-hmm. and then just, you know, maybe they're using more, uh, would you say like joint? Uh, not joint activation, but maybe there's more pressure on the joints. Right. There's a little more momentum in it. Yeah. You know, where, you know, and, you know, I, I did powerlifting uh, actually before I got into to bodybuilding. I did several meets. And, I mean, I even noticed a difference in, in my leg development from the time that I've kind of changed gears from doing that to really just focusing on bodybuilding. Um, but, um I'm sorry. What was the question again? I got sidetracked. Uh, well, we're just talking about leg development on like a power lifter right. and why it's even though they're moving more weight, the leg development's typically not as great as a bodybuilder. Right. So. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think uh, that definitely has to do with you know, you know, time under tension and how, how they're training. You know, it's, they're working a little more momentum. I would think when you know you're down and you're trying to go from point A to point B. You're not focusing on, hey, let me slow this down on the way down and come up and contract my quad. It's like, and yeah. you're up, you know? Do you think about that when you squat? Like, do you act- yeah. actively think about, like, um, you know, how your quad feels or your hamstrings or your glutes on your way down and on your way up? Like, yep. you're trying to activate that muscle and make the movement harder, harder. almost. Yep. Um, and maybe that's part of the disconnect with powerlifting as well, is yeah. you're, you're just trying to complete the task. Yeah. And you're trying to execute at the highest quality possible right right so yeah. it's a little bit different. and i mean and you just i notice that even with people that i train um even even on like a you know somebody has fairly experienced level uh it's just that muscle mind connection i mean it's a cliche term but it's true yeah. you know and when, when you're focusing on that area and you're training it really makes a difference when you're thinking about it and not just going from point a to point b but i guess the, back to the original thing about pre-exhaustion <laughs> that almost kind of forces it right right because you're you're already kind of sore you're pumped up right and you you're actively thinking like your legs almost feel like they're going to split when right. you're squatting <clears throat> because you have so much blood in them already so you're not thinking uh just completion but you're you know your mind's just on how the quad feels during the descent yeah so yeah no definitely um so do you do uh you know just to talk about supplements a little bit do you, um, you know, we know you take protein powder. You've been buying right. that for forever. Um, but are you a caffeine guy? No. Um, you know, I, I've kind of steered uh, clear almost entirely of stems. Um, I, you know, I just feel like uh, I may be caffeine sensitive. Some people are. Um, and, you know, I feel like sometimes when I was taking the, the, the pre-workouts with even a moderate amount of stimulant, like 200, 250 milligrams, uh, I felt like it exhausted me. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, I've kind of steer clear of taking anything with stimulants. If, if, if I'm taking anything, it's either a pure form of like arginine or citrulline or something like that. Um, for vasodilation, not for stim, not for stim. Yeah. Right. You know, um, I may do a cup of coffee in the morning or something like that, but outside of that, I don't add in any uh, extra caffeine or stimulants. With your clients, do you try to monitor <laughs> caffeine intake? Um, you know, it's hard with individuals because yeah. some people, they just can't function without, without it, it. Yeah. you know, um, for, for competitors, 
Yeah, I try to tell them to to limit it, you know, within a reasonable range. Right. You know, not get carried away with five, six hundred milligrams of caffeine a day. It, it's, you know, I think we had talked about that before about you know raising cortisol levels and, yeah. and putting your body and induce stress. You know, so. Yeah, I don't think people actually understand. I don't think they want to understand the stress that caffeine puts your body through. Right. Uh, and I really do feel like uh, caffeine is best used in an individual who's well rested. Right. Right. So it, it's used to propel them forwards right. to a level that they might not be able to reach, um, you know, in performance aspects, uh, you know, if they were just normal recovered. Um, but most people use it because they're they're feeling down because they're not rested and right. they're not well fed. Right. And they're using that to bring them back up to normal. Right. Yeah. It's so, like a filler. Yeah. 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 So it, it's a it's a crutch. Um, and then it also affects the sleep cycle. Yep. And I, I find caffeine, like I, I do drink caffeine throughout the day, um, but I never really, I can't say never because I have been a little bit recently, but uh, for the most part, I never take it before a workout. My heart right. rate goes crazy as it is, and you know how hot it is in this warehouse. So like <laughs> if I'm training legs and I have caffeine in my system, like I'm just asking for something right. to happen, and, and I don't want to deal with that. Um, well, what about, uh, so you don't take caffeine, so you probably don't have too big of an issue sleeping at night, no. but what are, what are your thoughts on sleep? Like how much do you sleep? How much do you tell people to sleep? Um, so t typically I sleep at least seven hours. Seven. I get at least seven hours of sleep in the evening. Um, uh, I'm fortunate enough where my day breaks up in like midday. So, you know, I leave the gym around 12, 1230, come back in around four. So as long as I don't have any running around to do, I try to squeeze at least an hour nap in okay. like midday, especially during prep. Um, you know, I, I get a nap in mid midday, but you know, that's the only time of day, um, you know, when you're sleeping at night, uh, that's the only time of the day that your body's actually recovering, you know, and, and, you know, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, but that's, it's the most neglected thing. I think, you know, uh, that's the important process of recovery. You, know, you could beat the hell out of your body in the gym, you know, be on point with your diet. But if you're not sleeping, you're not recovering. Yeah, monitoring my sleep um, because I get full blood panels done, mm -hmm. and uh, my cortisol's usually high. I'm I'm a high stressor normally, um, and the only thing that was able to bring it down was really consistent seven to eight hours of sleep every night. Mm -hmm. And uh, now that I understand like how I feel when I get that much sleep, when I have less sleep, I, I can actually feel what it's doing and I right. can feel what it's doing to the recovery process. Yeah. And then you get, you know, just to go back into the cycle, you know, let's say you have a day of like four or five hours of sleep and you're drinking a bunch of caffeine, you know, to compensate for that. Right. And then you're not drinking water. Right. So you're going into a dehydration, dehydration phase. Right. So, you know, it kind of counters that and then your soreness prolongs. Right. And I just feel like it's this long thing of uh, just screwing your body up and right. you're not putting yourself in the most optimal position to perform at the highest level or to have the best physique. Best physique, right. Yeah. And yeah. It, I'm not saying it can't be done. Like you can't, you know, sleep a little bit and drink caffeine and still look good. Of right. course you can. But maybe you have to con uh, maybe counteract that with different things. Right. Yeah, and I mean, definitely if your cortisol levels are, uh, you know, high uh, and, and you're not sleeping, uh, you know, it's hindering the process of, of, you know, dropping body fat. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like almost counterproductive. Yeah, so. and, and I think for men, uh, you know, we get a lot of men, and I'm sure your clients are predominantly men. Uh, no, you know what, it's, it's, it's probably almost like, a, I would say I have more women than men. 
All right, we'll, we'll avoid that statement out then. <laughs> um, but, you know, we get a lot of men in that are from like the 35 to maybe 45 minute or uh, 45 uh, age group. Right. And a lot of them have low T. Yeah. And then you start digging into, you know, how's your sleep cycle? I sleep three hours a night. Yeah. Okay. Well, how's your caffeine? I drink, you know, six Red Bulls a day. And, you know, it's, it's almost everybody who comes in with symptoms of low T. And obviously we're not doctors, so we don't prescribe them anything. But right. uh, everybody that comes in with symptoms of low T, you know, they all have the same cycle. You know, they don't sleep. They, they eat, you know, when they need to, right. uh, which is whatever they can get their hands on. And then aside from that, you know, they're just, uh, you know, they're over-consuming on caffeine. It's almost the same thing with every single person. Right. So I wasn't sure if that was something you saw with your clients in that age group as well. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's on a competitor level. Yeah, I have a few people that have an issue with sleeping, too much caffeine. So, um, you know, all you can do is just give them the, the right information. But if they don't follow it, you know, it's yeah, counterproductive. Well, yeah, but it also tells you how serious somebody is, right? Right. Uh, I remember when I was in college, and I, I really thought powerlifting was like my world. And, uh, you know, I wasn't that strong when I started and I just wanted to be like top three. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, I just wanted to get in that range of, you know, I feel like when you compete and you get to a higher level, uh, you know, whether you're first or third, like obviously you want to be first, but just right. to get in that like top range of people, um, you know, it, it takes a certain amount of effort to get there. And, uh, you know, I was sleeping nine hours eight nine hours almost every single day wow. and i was at penn state so i was forcing myself to not party right so i could sleep yeah um so i definitely think like it's a good way for you to probably weed out clients it's like yeah. if, if you can't find the time to sleep, to sleep and, and take care of yourself right. you're going to make your prep a whole lot harder a lot harder yeah yeah you know, yeah the outcome's not going to be you know what you want what you do know? you think about like people competing uh recreationally like do you think it's um again i mean i think it kind of goes back to you know how much effort are you really putting into it yeah. you know it's you know f for me kind of like you said you know if, if i'm competing obviously you're competing to win you know whether that happens or not is, yeah. is one thing or the other but um you know you're putting that effort into hey you know what i i, I want to get that number one spot so i mean that's how i approach competition you know when when i'm getting ready to start prep for a show uh you know, I start mentally prepping myself a month out, you know, just thinking about it day in and day out. You know, you almost let it consume you. Um, so that when that day comes that, hey, this is when I'm starting, it's like a switch. And that's it, you know. Um, and I feel like if you're doing it recreationally, oh, I'm doing it for fun. Uh, I mean, I guess if you don't really care about where you're placing it or how you're doing, and you're just doing it more as, um, you know, um, just yeah, a hobby. Just a hobby. Yeah, like like no other than fishing and you know going right. out on your dirt bike. Um, you know, don't expect to do too well, but you know, I feel from you know we've been open for we're on seven years now almost, and uh, I find that when people do shows that really aren't ready to be doing shows, mm -hmm. it tends to make them worse. Right. Uh, because I think they're you know, they're dieting and, and expecting to see a certain amount of muscle that right. they don't have. And right. this goes for men and, and women. And women, yeah. And uh, so then you're, you're dieting, you're restricting yourself, you're slowing down your metabolism, okay? And then we're in a culture that, okay. 
for whatever reason, like junk food is the biggest thing now. Right. Uh, you know, there's no longer like eating healthy because you want to eat healthy. Right. You know, you have to figure out, everybody's figuring out ways to kind of mm -hmm. game the system. Right. So they want to eat, you know, donuts after their workouts. And I'm not saying you can't do that, right. but they want to do it all the time. And so they're not exactly the healthiest doing it. And, you know, then you slow your metabolism, you come out of show, you start eating junk again. You're not training properly because you don't have the training experience to know if you're training, training properly. properly right. And uh, I feel like long term, it just it just makes them worse. And yeah. it almost like pushes them out of everything completely, you know, where where they feel like uh, they almost feel like some sense of betrayal from right. the industry. Yeah. And then they just kind of exit all together and they just let themselves go. Yeah. I mean, I think you see that with a lot of younger younger competitors um you know maybe it's a generation thing i don't know but i think it's just that they want that instant gratification they don't want to put the work and hard effort into doing it and i mean let's be honest you know at the end of the day it does come back to genetics yeah. you know so um you know if if maybe you don't have the best genetics but you're busting your butt and getting on stage and you're doing everything you need to do and maybe you've put the time and effort into it that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to take it to that next level. I mean, it's just like, you know, not everybody could be a professional football player. Not everybody so could be. when you got your pro card, you didn't get like a mysterious $100,000 check in the mail? No, I didn't. That didn't happen? I call it the poor man's sport. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you have to pay to keep your I card. To, I have to pay to keep my card. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, if you're going into the sport uh, thinking that you're coming out and you're going to be making a lot of money doing it, uh, you're in the wrong sport. Um, you know, I do it. I continue competing cause I enjoy it. Uh, when I started competing, I didn't have, you know, it, it was an afterthought of becoming a pro just because, I mean, I'm real with myself, you know, you know, you look at the guys in the magazines and I, I've been following bodybuilding for over 20 years, you know, so I, I've realized, you know, fairly quickly that this isn't something that happens overnight. Um, so, you know, Look, looking at it in that perspective, you know, I just year after year just say, you know, I'm going to prep for a show and see how I do, you know, and, and, and that was it. And that's kind of how it's been. Um, you know, this will be my first year competing as a pro. I don't have any high expectations. I'm going in with an open mind, you know, um, and do the best that I can do. As you long as I critique from pro judges, right? Yeah, so that'll be yeah. different for you. You know, some feedback from them, um, you know, and as long as I bring something better than I brought back in 2018, that's what I'm looking for. You know, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's not about money. If, if it was about money, I wouldn't be doing this sport. It, it's yeah. funny, though. All the people that we talk to that have uh, like a good track record in bodybuilding, uh, they all just enjoy the process. Yeah. Right. Like it's not about stepping on stage. Some of them absolutely hate stepping on stage. They right. don't want to be in the, you know, in the man bikini and, you know, flexing with the tans and all that <laughs> right. and the oil and all that stuff like they hate that part right. of it. Um, but they love the way that their body changes yep. when they change the diet or when they change their training or, you know, when they execute a lift differently. Right. And there's a whole new muscle activation there. Yep. And, you know, eight months later, you know, they have a slightly bigger hamstring. Right. Um, but it's such a slow process and there's so much data involved. But then your body's also changing. So it, yep. it's really everything, you know, is an experiment. And if you fall in love with the experiment, you tend to stay in the sport longer. Right. And then those guys are the ones that are now charging, you know, an arm and a leg for for coaching and right. you know they're able to make a business out of that right. because they spent the time collecting the data right right so yep. same kind of scenario no definitely i mean um you know i just think uh where was i gonna go with that i lost my train of thought um 
But no, no, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, definitely. Well, you, you know, other than your second set of eyes, I mean, you were completely self-coached too. And self-coached, right. Uh, yeah. Was there one year in like 2017, I think you just like stopped to prep maybe? Um, 2018, didn't you prep for a show and kind of cut it off or something? No, uh-uh. Um, 2017, I did the USA's in July. Okay. Um, I had no intention to compete in that year, uh, the, the rest of the year. And it was... I was eight weeks out from the nationals and I looked, I was like, you know, I'm still in pretty decent shape. I'm just going to do this show. And I'm going to be honest. I felt like I looked better in 2017 than 2018 when I earned my pro card. Just my personal opinion. You know, you're definitely bigger in 2018. Yeah. I think the coolest part about that prep is I saw you when you, you told me you were two weeks out and like, you always look good, but I'm like, okay, like you look good. And, uh, and then I saw you like, maybe four days out, five days out, and you actually looked twice the size. And I'd ask you, like, what'd you do different? And you you said nothing. And you said you were just uh, sleeping and taking it easy. Yeah. And your body just reacted so well to to you relaxing. Yeah. And I thought that, that, like, to me, that was such a, uh, like, an impactful thing for me to see, uh, you know, how much your body changed just by chilling out. Yeah. You know, not stressing yourself out and not, you know, letting it over consume you and your daily life. Right. So, yeah, no, definitely. It's important. But so you have, uh, you know, you have Back to Basics uh, gym, yep. and that's in Pendell, Pennsylvania. Um, you do coaching? Yep. Uh, but do you only do coaching to people that are members, or do you do coaching elsewhere, online coaching? Yeah, so, you know, I do do online coaching. Um, and then, you know, anybody's coming into the gym, you know, do the, the training, or, you know, if they're looking to compete or something like that, do coaching. Um, you know, I'm working with a guy. Actually, he, he did a show a couple of years ago. Um, he's down in Maryland now. So, you know, I'm doing online coaching with him. Okay. You know, uh, oh. a little different dynamic. I mean, you know, me personally, I always like to kind of have more hands on with people. I can see them every day, see how they're progressing, see what they're doing. See if um, they're uh, training hard. See if they're training hard, <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, for, for people that, uh, that still need it and um, aren't close, you know, I'm still able to do that. So if people wanted to contact you, uh, obviously, you know, you're local, so we have a lot of customers that already know who you are. Um, but if anybody else watching wanted to contact you, the easiest way is Instagram or... Yeah, it could, uh, could be Instagram um, or um, you can go on our website, backtobasicslanghorn.com. Okay, and they and can get all your information there? All the information on there. Yep. Cool, cool. I think that's it. Episode six, five, five, wrapped up. <laughs>